Hello, everyone. You are listening to Knight's History Cast, where we have conversations about history. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Central Florida's History Department. I'm Sebastian Garcia, history podcast producer of Knight's History Cast and the Florida Historical Quarterly Podcast. This week's podcast features Dr. Stephen Knoll, a master lecturer in history and affiliate faculty member of the Bob Grant Center for Public Service at the University of Florida. I spoke with him back in mid-August about his most recent book, Writing for the Public Good, Essays from David R. Colburn and Senator Bob Graham. This interview was originally done um, in mind with publishing it to Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, Um, and this was done over Zoom, so hence the little drop in audio quality, but what makes up for that audio quality is definitely the general quality of the interview. As Dr. Noel and I had a very uh, highly deep, insightful conversation about his book, which talks about the state of the state, essentially. And it's done through this medium of op-eds that um, David R. Colburn and Senator Bob Graham wrote for a little over 30 years. When this podcast interview, The Best Sound Bites, essentially, came out for Florida Frontiers, I, I knew... I mean, I I was satisfied in the sense of I got somewhat of a preview out there uh, of this book, but I, I really wanted to get the full podcast interview conversation I had with him because it just the eight to 10 minutes just didn't just don't do just justice. So it's honestly probably these 37 minutes of conversation still don't do justice to the incredible book that Dr. Noel um, was the editor of. Which is why I'm consistently emphasizing of getting the book and just reading it um, yourself. And my hope is that once you all listen to this podcast interview, you go get this book and read it. Because you, you're like, oh my god, I need to know what what's in this book. You know, so so that that's the that was the rationale behind uploading this this interview right after the Holly Baker episode. Which go check that out. That came out last week. Um, so yeah, so to all the people living in the beautiful state of Florida, stay tuned as trust me, you will want to listen to this conversation, um, I had with Dr. Noel about this unique state and its unique set of challenges, problems, solutions, rewards, and everything in between. Um, so enough of me talking and cue that music. Alrighty. Well, first, also, I want to thank you for, um, you know, being here with me, taking the time of your day and your schedule to uh, have a conversation with me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Happy to do it. So the first question is, how did you find yourself with the opportunity to be the editor of a book project like this one? Rather a strange way. Uh, I knew that David Colburn, who was basically my mentor here at UF, and um, had retired from most of his positions at UF and was the director of the Graham Center for um, Public Service here at UF. And uh, um, I also knew Bob Graham through the Graham Center because I'm an affiliate faculty there. And Graham would come and talk to my um, Florida history class when I had that. And so I knew that they were interested in possibly doing some sort of um, retrospective of their 
multiple op-ed pieces. And then in the fall of 2019, David Colburn um, unexpectedly died. Um, and um, you know, the project seemed to be wherever. But at his memorial service, his wife, who I know rather well, came up to me and said, um, David would have liked nothing more than to have you um, take this on and get it to publication. And you can't say no at that point. So, uh, you know, even though I had a lot of my own stuff to do and a lot of teaching, so I took that on. And then, uh, you know, right after that started, the pandemic hit. And so, you know, that made it even worse. But so it was a, it was a good possibility for me um, under rather problematic circumstances. And that kind of leads me to my next question. And what was the inspiration for the book in terms of you, but also for David Colburn and, and Graham? Uh, well, for, for, um, Senator, Governor Graham, um, and Colburn, uh, the rationale was kind of a retrospective of their um, public perceptions of what's going on in America for the past 30 years. You know, David, uh, certainly as an academic historian, had written lots of academic books. Um, Senator Graham, as a United States Senator had been involved in the public process for a long time. And I, they felt that they needed to kind of um, talk about their relationship with the general public. And uh, that was through their multiple newspaper op-eds for 30 years. And for me, it was a, to uh, get this work out, especially under the circumstances uh, that we're in today regarding public discourse, um, but also to honor um, Governor Senator Graham, and especially to honor David, I think it's it's a it's a fitting um, capstone to his career. Beautiful. So, in terms of since you're the editor of the book, um, what were some of the main tasks you had to do as the editor of the book? Well, the first thing they had been in the process of picking out. Um, op-ed pieces that they thought were the best ones over the long course of their experience doing this in a variety of Florida, mostly Florida, but, but some national papers. And they had organized them somewhat, but they're old guys. And so their organization was all paper. You know, so, so um, when I got in there to see what they had done, I'd seen that they had picked out a significant number of stuff, but they were all non-digitized. Some of them were um, undated, you know, just clipped out, undated, untitled, no idea what newspaper they were from. Um, so I had to kind of uh, do archival material, trying to figure out um, when they were published and what newspaper they were published, what the title was. And then also to uh, try to make sense of their organizational structure to um, allow my organizational structure to take hold as well and to um, add more of the ones, you know, to go back and look at some that they hadn't added to see if they would fit as well. Yeah, because I was, I was wondering if, um, if like in terms of how the process of selecting the op-eds were, um, I, wa I was wondering if did you and also um, Colburn and Graham 
first organize how you wanted the book to be structured and well, they you know they they gave a whole series of op-eds that they thought were good and then i had to add ones that i thought were good maybe take out some of the ones that i didn't think were as good as they thought and then structure it around particular um thematic ideas okay yeah that, that, that makes sense um and also um, you had a big, like a little bit of commentary in the beginning of Avery. Yeah, I had so so. In addition to organizing this stuff and then making sure that newspapers agreed that they could be published, you know, because who, who knows who owns copyright to all this. Um, and some of the articles were co-authored with other people and getting their getting their permission to have it published, which at some level was difficult because some of the people had had died already, and then. Uh, you know, with each structural part, I had to write an introduction to the particular area, you know, environment, race, politics, gubernatorial. But then I also um, was tasked with, and I thought this was really important, an introduction to the entire book, you know, in my words, as to A, why it's important now, B, you know, the contribution of Colbert and Graham to this genre, see the status of newspaper op-eds in the changing journalistic world that we live in. And D, I think the key to understanding discourse in a world in which um, people aren't talking to each other, they're talking past each other, and they're not listening, they're throwing bombs, literally as well as figuratively. Yeah, your introduction um, was just as insightful and interesting as a reader. As I was going through the book, um, the big introduction, the, the beginning of the book, also your commentaries per chapter uh, were really helpful in guiding me and setting the stage of what op-eds were going to be included in those. Um, yeah, and, and at some level, not to not to disparage them, I think it's a better book not necessarily to have me in there, but to have a third person introduce and to write the intro. You know, if it was me, if it was someone else, maybe also, but the fact that as a third person, as opposed to them doing it, I think it allowed the reader to get a different point of view other than the points of view within the, um, the op-eds themselves, which I think is really important. And, you know, the intro, I thought, you know, the intro is really hard to write because I, I wanted to um, do justice to them. I also wanted to do justice to the form of the op-ed. And I also wanted to place the writings in the historical context of what's been happening in Florida uh, specifically, but in the nation more generally past 30 years. So, And were, was putting the op-ed pieces in chronological order intentional? Yes. Um, Yes, I mean, they, they are in chronological order within their particular um, within their particular themes. But yes, it was. Yeah, it was intentional to, to, to both to see how they have changed over time. And I think, you know, their views of what's happening in America has changed from 1990 to the late second decade of the 20th century, 21st century, but also to see how America and Florida had changed um, during that time period. And also a second part to that question is very similar. Was there, what was the decision to start in the nineties? Is that, is that just when they started? That's pretty much when they started writing op-eds 
on a consistent basis. You know, Colbert had written some in the eighties. Um, Graham wasn't going to write some when he was governor. Mostly started when he was um, when he was a senator, which starts um, in that decade. So, I have never read a book like this before. Um, it was a very unique book, in my opinion, and in the best way possible. Um, mainly because it's a history told through um, a different medium. In this case, op-eds and commentary, which I, I find refreshing. And um, especially coming from two of the most influential public figures in Florida's recent history. So my question is, being the editor of such a unique book must have had unique challenges, but also unique rewards. And I know you've mentioned a little bit of them uh, previously, but can you- Well, I think the biggest challenge for me was to do right by them. And, you know, to pick- other ones than that, other than the ones that they had picked, that they would have felt good to be included. You know, and even though um, Senator Graham, Governor Graham, um, is still alive, he had no um, input into the process once I was on board, basically because of COVID. You know, so and David was was already deceased, so kind of it was up to me to to do that. Um, so that was my focus was to to make them feel that this book was positive reflection of their contribution. And also, um, I wanted to make sure that it was kind of a historical analysis of the past 30 years of Florida history. So I made sure that things that were particular to a time period that the reader today would not feel that was so important would probably not be in the book. You know, that the things that were written in the 1990s would have resonance still today, as opposed to, you know, talking about uh, political disputes that have, have been long gone and long forgotten. Yeah. And I, and I think you, you, you exceeded highly in, um, in that challenge. You, you surpassed it, um, you know, coming from, I just, I just I absolutely, and I'll keep reiterating this throughout the interview, I absolutely enjoyed the book and I feel like um, it's highly important, especially in today's society. And I have a question about that later on. But um, yeah, so those are my process questions. You answered them great, so I appreciate it. Now we're gonna move on to some of the commentary slash content questions. All right, so um, the first question of this uh, half of the interview would be, um, Several times throughout the book, both authors would intentionally describe a situation that readers would think they would be referring to as current events, but actually the authors were describing uh, an event that has happened in history. You know, other times they would explicitly bring back the history of whatever topic uh, they were talking about and its relevance um, to today. And you eloquently wrote it, wrote about th this theme in, chap in the chapter three introduction Quote, Graham and Colburn analyzed them all with careful consideration for contextualizing these issues with historical insight. Why do you think the authors of the op-eds would do that and the importance of it? Well, I think one reason is because Florida is different, I would argue, than any other state. Maybe California and Texas are similar, um, that the vast majority of people are not Floridians, you know, and they still maintain their allegiance to wherever they're born, right? You know, uh, 
you go to the villages and you see the golf courts with the Pittsburgh Steelers license plate on the front. You know, you go to you go to South Florida and you see the New York Yankees flags flying. So I think what they in their op-ed pieces tried to do and what I tried to do in contextualizing is to show people that where we are today in Florida is not only a reflection of what's happening contemporaneously, but what has happened in the past, not just 30 years, but in the past 100 years. You know, that Florida is a Southern state, that Florida does have, you know, those racial dimensions that Alabama and Mississippi are, are supposed to have, but not Florida. You know, Florida is different. So I think they really tried to focus on the fact that Florida, Florida's history is really an important part of Florida's present. And it's a part that a, a vast majority of, of the public doesn't know or doesn't care about. So they're really interested in trying to get them to understand that, as was I. One of the themes uh, you specifically noted early in the book was how strikingly you just mentioned also this in your previous answer, uh, contemporaneously are, are the op-ed pieces uh, which go as far back as the 90s and be applicable to almost every major topic and theme that Graham and Colburn would write about, whether it was state politics, uh, the relationship between the state, the region and the nation, uh, education, Florida's environment, economy, race relations, population desert, I mean, so on and so forth. Um, and even I would notice almost instantly in the book, uh, I would literally write on the side margins, still true, still relevant today. Um, right. Can you expand on that point and its importance? I think what they're trying to do in their articles and what I was trying to do in the book again is to show relevance and to show both consistency over time, but also drastic change over time. And I think, you know, the, the title of Colburn's last major book um, from Yellow Dog Democrat to Red State Republican um, really shows the big changes that Florida um, that have occurred in the state. And certainly, you know, when, when Graham was governor, it was a democratic state, a democratic party that was changing from this um, kind of old style Jim Crow Southern Democratic Party focused on and uh, centered in North Florida to this much more progressive South Florida Democratic uh, FDR type um, party. And, you know, by the time by the time Graham retires from um, the Senate, the Senate in the first decade of the 21st century, you know, that's changed dramatically. There's you know, there's a Republican governor um, throughout all, all the 21st century. There's uh, Republican um, Republican senators, there's Republican uh, representatives in Congress, and there's certainly Republican uh, state legislatures. So things have changed dramatically, but I think that um, they want to caution to say that, you know, that even though party affiliations may have changed, many of the ideas and beliefs and understandings have not, that um, many of the beliefs of the current Republican Party uh, in Congress, in the legislature, in the state house, are similar to the ideas that were involved in the Democratic Party um, in mid to late 20th century Florida. Another big important theme that both Senator, Governor Bob Graham and David Colburn uh, talk about throughout the book and even had an entire chapter dedicated uh, to it was education and civic literacy. 
specifically in Florida, but they would also uh, talk about the nation in general. Um, you even specifically emphasized this in the introduction where you said all, all these op-eds deal with a variety of issues, uh, but ultimately, quote, they all focus on one thing, the importance of an informed, involved, and diverse citizenry, end quote. I found myself strongly attached uh, to such themes uh, as someone who went through the Florida educational system, you know, myself, and uh, currently see my generational peers lacking in these areas, um, especially when uh, both Colburn and Graham talk about how civics and history were never part of uh, standardized testing. I always found that odd as well, and their points uh, and solutions to that problem, I highly agreed. And then uh, Bob Graham beautifully wrote in um, a January 30, 2008 op-ed, quote, democracy was never intended to be a spectator sport. I absolutely was blown away by, by that statement. Um, can you explain and expand the importance of this overall message that both uh, Senator Baumgram and David Colburn were vouching for in education and civic? Well, I think there's, there, there's kind of two parts to this. One is um, this notion of an informed electorate that um, they see the key to maintaining America's position in the world, America's vision as a republic and as a democracy is tied to this notion of, of an informed electorate. And an informed electorate is people who take public service and public interest seriously and are willing to examine it thoughtfully. And that comes through education. So there's this civic literacy component, but there's also this component of education. And, you know, one thing I think that they really stressed is particularly Jeb Bush and his education push towards uh, standardized testing and STEM examination at the K through 12 of uh, the notion of civic literacy, of history, of governmental involvement got pushed to the side. That's, um, you know, science rule, that math rule, that, you know, we didn't have to worry about these other things. And so I think they really, they really stressed that um, we lost a lot through the notion of um, formalized, standardized testing over things that could be quantified. You know, really hard to, to standardize testing regarding civic literacy. And um, they uh, applauded Governor Bush's attempts to reinvigorate Florida's education system, but they um, significantly opposed the push just towards standardized, regimented um, non-thoughtful education that could be measured quantitatively. And that kind of transitions me to my next question. How important and significant were the call to action um, and proposing solution elements of their op-eds? Well, I think certainly it ties in directly to their, to their mission. You know, when Graham, when Graham retires from the Senate, in 2004, he could easily have just retired, right? Um, instead, he, his mission was to uh, establish this uh, Center for Public Service at UF and make it an integral part of um, the university's mission and expand that not just within the classroom and the walls of the university, but um, have it as an important part of his legacy 
throughout the state of Florida. And the same thing with David, you know, David um, had served in a variety of, of positions at UF since the 70s. And he easily also could have simply you know, wrote his own books and, and um, or just faded away, but instead stayed on as the director of the Graham Center because he felt the mission of civic, civic engagement, civic literacy and public service were profoundly important and not only important, but that they were being lost in the larger mission and not just of, of K through 12 education, but um, college education as well. You know, this big push towards STEM, um, humanities don't matter, you know, that they're, they're, they, we can, uh, who cares about that? You know, you're not gonna get a job and it's particularly the notions of, of the notions of, of the academy of college as, as a, uh, a place where people study for four years and then get a job, a good job. You know, uh, you know, how can you get a good job if you major in history? How can you get a good job if you major in, in, in geography? And um, so therefore it's irrelevant. And certainly their mission, I think, through the Graham Center, through their um, public awareness, and I think through the op-eds and through this book is to say civic engagement matters significantly. And, and I think that they would point out that where we are today is a direct result of our lack of civic engagement and civic literacy. Yeah, that that resonated a lot with me as um they would touch on those themes throughout the book because um obviously I'm you know, in the university system. And um, I'm actually a double major. Uh, my other major is in biomedical sciences, which um, complicated story, but I am no longer pursuing that. That was never really my calling. Society norms, things like that really pressured me into getting such a sure. degree. And, um, but now I'm doing what I love, which is history. So it really resonated with me with what you just said and also what they were mentioning throughout all these op-eds of, you know, yes, STEM's important, but not at the expense of humanities and civic literacy and, and right. history. So, um, yeah, that's why I found I found I was really strongly attached um, to those messages because I went I saw both sides of the coin. I saw how how much emphasis the university was um, putting towards all these STEM majors because I wasn't part of one. And then when I would go to my history classes or history buildings, you, you would just see the drop right away um which is um sad and and you 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 beautifully put it right now which where we're at today i feel like it's because of a lack of that which is what you just said and i agree um you mentioned this previously also in the interview but um what were the motivations for senator governor bob graham and david colburn to write op-eds and like you said especially so late in their career with i i i think the key was to for david to expand his knowledge out from the classroom, you know, that the notion that historians or any academic, you know, lives in the quote unquote ivory tower and just talks to, um, just talks to his own people, you know, or, or her own people. Um, David really felt that it was his job to, as a historian, to speak to people outside academia, you know, and certainly that was reflected in his um, participation in the Florida Humanities Council, which is now just called Florida Humanities. And so you know, his goal, and, and certainly he imparted that to me as well, is to ensure that what we learn as academics doesn't just stay here, 
that it's disseminated to the public. You know, so his books are straddle that fence between academic knowledge, you know, because they're footnoted and, and well-sourced and speak in academic jargon, but they also um, are books that can and are read by non-academics. And that's certainly his goal within, within the op-ed environment. Um, and I think for, for Bob Graham as well, he wanted to take what he learned and did in public service at the highest level you know, in Tallahassee in Washington and relate that to what everyday Floridians um, can relate to as well. Uh, and I think that's tied into certainly his, you know, right from the beginning when he runs for governor and he has his work days, you know, um, that's um, many people at the beginning felt it was just this great gimmick, you know, that he, um, and then, then people figured out that he was very serious about this and that, that he cared about the relationship between him as a public figure and the public. And that's what I think the op-eds are. And especially you know, the last series of op-eds, of which most of them are Bob Graham's, about, um, about terrorism, about um, international affairs, moving past just Florida. Um, certainly, you know, he feels that it's important for people to understand what's going on and that you know, we cannot hide the truth from the American people without dire consequences. Historically, how important are um, Bob Graham's and David Colburn's op-eds, especially in today's world where print journalism and civic discourse is declining and the rise of social media as the main vehicle for news and public discourse? I think they're really important. I think um, particularly regarding race, they... um, and you know David's participation in the Rosewood uh, in the Rosewood report tell us that um, we cannot erase the past, and the past, particularly Florida's racist past, um, is an important part of where we are today. That doesn't mean we bear responsibility for that, but it does tell us that this stuff is important. And um, I think the op-ed pieces show us that. Um, we need to reflect on this rather than simply give a 10-word, 20-word, 30-word Twitter response. This is one of my favorite questions I, uh, I wrote um, because it's very um, like personal, very sincere, very genuine. Um, should a book like this be read by every modern-day Floridian? Oh, I think, yeah, I mean, I think so. A, A I'll get a lot of money for it. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I, I think so. I think that was their goal. And that was my goal, was to have it read by um, you know, your uncle, have it read by um, school teachers, have it read by doctors, people who wouldn't necessarily read this kind of stuff, have it read by insurance agents, you know, have it read by car salesmen, have it read by air conditioning repairmen. I think, um, you know, I, I, that's the goal here that, that Floridians need to read this and, um, reflect upon 
the state of the state. Um, and what, what's important about the book is that in spite of, you know, there's some pretty dark places that they talk about here. But in spite of that, they maintain this very almost Pollyanna-esque belief that Floridians can and will do the right thing. I think that that's really important. And, and their notion of doing the right thing is that they become engaged and involved. Yeah, I, I, I strongly agree with that. And I, that's the reason why I wanted to ask you a question like that, because as a young Floridian myself, uh, most of these op-eds were published, yeah, when I was alive, but I was young. I didn't understand right. any of the historical, you know, trends and progressions that the state has made in the past 30 years. You know, I'm, I'm only in my 20s. So um, that's why I have such uh, respect and admiration for this book, for you and um, for Bob Graham and David Colburn, because uh, all three of you um, really allowed me to appreciate those historical trends and where we are headed in the future, which is why I wanted to ask a question like that. Um, I know this might be a tough question, um, but I'm going to ask you anyways. And, you know, you, you've been giving great answers, so I don't doubt that you won't give a, one, a great one here. Um, most of the times in their op-eds, if not every time, uh, both authors would be concerned about Florida's future um, and the next generations that would inhabit the state. This is vividly seen every time they put um, 21st century challenges problems, but also solutions in the context of the 21st, of the 20th century historical insight. Um, as you mentioned, unfortunately, David Colburn passed away in 2019. Uh, but what do you think um, him and Bob Graham think of Florida in 2022 and were their fears, uh, but also hopes realized? I think that's a real interesting question about fears and hopes. I think they are really concerned about Florida's environmental future. Um, they're concerned about the elephant in the room, which is climate change and sea level rise, which at some point Florida is ground zero for that. And um, you know, I think they hope for a time when environmentalism can once again, as it was in the 1970s, be bipartisan that both Republicans and Democrats recognize that where we're going environmentally is not sustainable. And that the reason people want to come here, A, well, because of low taxes and, and, and warm weather, but um, they want to come here because it's beautiful. Um, and if we maintain this lack of concern about the environment, um, that will no longer be available. This notion of um, protecting the environment is really important. And this balance between environmentalism and growth can be handled appropriately. Uh, you know, I think they recognize or they try to recognize that um, they are not saying, you know, let's stop building. Right? that they're saying we can do this smarter. And I think that that's, that's a key factor. And I also think that um, they were really pressing in their notion of, you know, what Florida demographically would look like, um, you know, that, that it's 
the Hispanic influence in Florida is not simply Cuban anymore. And David in particular uh, was very interested in the notion of Florida as a retirement state. And that, you know, many of the people who come down to Florida are coming down here, A, because of the things that we talked about, but B, to escape, you know, to escape what they see as problems in New York. Oh, my God, you know, or bad weather in New York, right? Um, and, you know, we cannot dismiss these people because they're old, you know. We have to include them into the dialogue and we have to um, try to get them to understand that they are now. Floridians, you know, they're just not New Yorkers who happen to live in Florida. And Florida has its own unique set of issues and problems that we can work together to solve. You know, you're not going to get eaten by an alligator in New York, you know, but certainly you may in Florida. So these are the kinds of things I think that they were trying to talk about. Well said. Which were some of your favorite op-eds and why? Uh, well, well, I, I know f- for me, the op-eds on um, Governor Collins were you know, pretty amazing because um, they recognize that this is a guy who um, went against the assumed norms during that time period. Uh, I think the questions about race are particularly important, especially the questions about Rosewood. Uh, David's article on the woman, the, the last survivor, is pretty poignant. Um, I think their issues about um, the environment are really, really important. And certainly we see David becoming more and more interested and involved in this as, as he gets older. And I think that is as much a reflection of some of the people around him and his, you know, one of the great things about David is his ability to grow and change, you know? And I think the other thing about, about um, Senator Graham is, um, is his ideas and beliefs about terrorism and bioterrorism and, um, you know, his prescient notions of concern about pandemics. You know, when you read that article about the op-ed about uh, 2009, about the fact that, you know, we are not prepared for the next, uh, for the next bio event, be it human induced or natural. It's, oh my God, you know, that's incredible. So uh, yeah, those are the ones that I think are, are pretty important to me. This last question is more just, uh, you know, just a fun question. Uh, any future books or projects you're currently working on? Well, um, I've put stuff on hold for a while because of this. I'm working on trying to slowly figure out how to get a sequel to my book on the cross Florida Borge Canal and, and the, um, and the uh, Rodman Reservoir. Um, and then I'm also working on a book on disability history on um, the 1977 disability rights movement and the activism that led to um, the passage of 504, which leads to ADA. Um, You know, the assumption is that, oh, politicians did this because they, they knew that we had a problem with people with disabilities and we had to fix it. Well, it's really because people with disabilities argued and, um, attacked and um, protested and demonstrated um, to demand their rights as American citizens. So I think that that's an important thing. But slowly, I've been working on that way too long and trying to get that out too. So those are all, all my questions I had for you. 
you answered them beautifully. And again, I uh, want to reciprocate um, the feeling of, um, you know, being grateful for a book like this. And I, I truly mean it. I mean, I wouldn't interview you if not oh, for this reason. Um, you know, well, I appreciate the opportunity to get on and talk about the book, but about them as well. Um, I think it, it's really important. That was the pod. I hope you all are uh, now are like, I need to get this book. Um, I want to get this book. I need to know what's in it. I, I want to be informed about our unique state. Um, you know, and, and I genuinely mean it when, when I say to get this book. I, I, I get nothing from this in terms of like, if you're like, oh, monetary. No, I don't get anything by saying get this book. It's just as a young Floridian myself, I feel like it's important for us as a people to know about our history and our past and how that past has affected our present. And, you know, this book is among the best when it comes out to, you know, effectively reflecting on the state of the state in all its dimensions and contours and, you know, contextualizing our current present, you know, be it problems and solutions in the overall historical progressions and trends we have made as a state and as a people. So, to all the Floridians out there, please, please do yourself a favor and read this book. You know, doing so would be the first step of exercising your civic duty and civic literacy that Colburn and Graham coveted for the state and its people. I'll leave you all with one of, if not my favorite quotes from the op-eds presented in this book. Um, this one being by David Colburn in August 29th, 1993 op-ed. Quote, what is important, however, is that we take a moment to acknowledge our state's past and those who have preceded us, that we recognize both their achievements and their failures. Each is essential and helping us to mature as a people and as a state. End quote. For Night's History Cast, I'm Sebastian Garcia. Please subscribe to this podcast to hear future conversations about history. Thank you for listening. I truly appreciate it. Until next time.